Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello everyone, your trade diva Lorianne is back with you and we are in the middle of Shipageddon. Shenzhen lockdown, not lockdown. 200 plus ships stuck outside of Ukraine and Chinese ports. There was a fire this week at LA Long Beach. Hundreds of leased planes will not be returning to the cargo system as Russia is hanging on to those. U.S. exports of agriculture are really getting backhanded. Gas and diesel prices, need I say more? Tell us something we don't already know, but the chassis shortages are expected to last into 2023. We'll sprinkle in a little comic relief with Evergreen's Ever Forward. Still not moving forward. Spot rates, they're up, they're down. Blank sailings to come. Looming in the background is the West Coast's favorite time of year, and that is the Longshoremen's Contract Negotiations, expiration July 1. Oh, this is a good one, people, so let's buckle up and let's shut up. Go trade. Alrighty, people, and as we get started, as you know, this is for entertainment purposes only. So please don't use anything referenced or anything said here in a court of law. So when I originally started this podcast, I had envisioned taking people through a historical transformation of trade since I began crap I hate aging myself but yeah 30 years ago you know I I started with the roll-up fax machines and AOL dial-up and and crazy stuff and it's just really transformed in the three decades but what's taking place now totally trumps the UPS strike we had back in the early 90s that sent everybody in a tailspin that The focus right now is on global logistics, supply chain, import, export. Because if you think about it, when stuff doesn't move, you can't sell anything. When stuff doesn't move, you don't have anything to go to the bank for. You don't have a letter of credit. You don't need financing. When, when, When shipping shuts down or has all these crazy uh, scenarios... It really affects everybody. And so that's what I want to get out there to show you that, you know, some ship that is stuck in a canal halfway around the world, how it affects you in little Arkansas. So that's kind of going to be the focus for a while is this really, these fun, hot topics. I say fun because some of these things are just so bizarre and so out there that we got to chat. And chatting with us today is a friend of the show, a longtime friend of mine, 
fellow transportation geek and meme poster is my friend and colleague Tom Pampolonia, who has been entrenched in the supply chain nonsense since day one, just like I. And we've exchanged a lot of funny camaraderie about what's, what's going on, as well as, well, we've shared a few drinks. Um, although he has reduced his smoking, he's upped his alcohol, as his friend has here. <laughs> so my fellow drinking buddy, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Laurie. Good to be back. So I, I love the word entrenched. Yeah, Is that a synonym for buried? Buried, uh, kind of like uh, the ever forward is right now. <laughs> Let me ask you, I know we were talking a little bit about this before, but when you first heard this story or the breaking, whatever, you know, you guys get alerts all day that a ship was stuck aground, ran aground here in the United States, outside of, or well, in the Chesapeake Bay, so outside Baltimore, D.C. area. What was your reaction to that? I was thinking, here we go again. But uh, I'm kind of glad it, you know, it wasn't Baltimore and let's say not in the uh, LA Long Beach Channel or uh, even New York or Savannah, right? Sure. So, and the good news is that vessel is not blocking any other traffic, right? It's not bro right. blocking any traffic lanes. So right. that's good. But right. anything with ever, in it now is, is going to be synonymous <laughs> for disaster. Well, even the name Ever Forward, not. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what the heck is going on? But, you know, when the when the fiasco happened in the Suez Canal, even my my daughter, they had a, a little discussion about it in, in school. I said, oh, so what did they, what did you talk about? And primarily, you know, as with most people who are you know, really up on um, supply chain and stuff. They're like, well, what has this got to do with us? Why is this affecting us? So I asked, I said, well, what did you guys say? How is it affecting you? And I think that's something people don't understand that now, okay, this ship that's stuck, yes, thank gosh, not blocking the whole channel. How is that affecting us right now in this time of all of the supply chain issues? What are your customers saying? Do you have any customers that are on that ship, by the way? Probably, um, but I haven't heard anything yet. You know, I mean, told does a lot of ocean freight, but uh, probably have a couple. You know, I think they'll probably refloat that vessel in a week. You know, the, the Ever Forward is just another hiccup in a mess of issues going on right now in the supply chain, right? So that's just kind of like the cherry on top. But I think, you know, we have some other things that are happening right now, like the, the COVID lockdowns in, in China, right? right? Is, is a major concern. The, the war in, uh, in Europe between Russia and the Ukraine is impacting the supply chain, especially on the air freight side. And, uh, you know, we have the West Coast uh, port negotiations coming up for the, uh, the longshoremen, you know, I think in June. And uh, I have a feeling they're probably going to go on strike. There's partial lifting of the lockdowns in China, which are, oof, let's see. Some of the major carriers that are out there are saying they're not affected, some are affected. Do you have like a, a real feel as far as that? No, you know, again, it depends on the carriers. It depends on the cities, but it's it's not a stagnant situation, right? It's a, it's a living, floating, moving 
thing. So today Shenzhen's locked down, then tomorrow they might ease it up, then Guangzhou will shut down a little bit. I've heard, you know, uh, even some, some places cargo uh, quarantine for seven days. So it arrives, let's say in Hangzhou, they won't truck it to Shanghai until they hold it for seven. So that's really impacting that. The cross border, I mean, Hong Kong has some of the strictest quarantine rules right now. And to get drivers to, to bring it across the border from Shenzhen to Hong Kong, it's nearly impossible. The rates have gone up like uh, 400%. Uh, and even then, just trying to get the, uh, the drivers and the, and the cargo out of Shenzhen into Hong Kong is almost impossible. You know, the, the quarantine time for the drivers is just way too long, the pilots as well. So that's having a significant impact. We're trying to make some headway here in the States, right, with the ports and, and getting those containers available quicker and whatnot and getting them off the, uh, the terminals. But now the problem is going to start at the origin side again, right? So it's just this, I feel like we're on this wheel. We fix something over here and then on the backside now we have another problem with the front end and it just keeps going around and we're like a dog chasing its tail. Right. A lot. So, you know, you're, you're mentioning the, the West Coast and uh, there, there was a fire in LA Long Beach that was not really publicized a lot. And what they found out is, you know, with, unfortunately, with all these issues taking place, there are shippers, consignees, what have you, that are trying to uh, circumvent things and maybe try to move their own stuff faster, get cheaper rates because they're so out there that they're, they're misrepresenting their freight. And unfortunately that fire was because it was hazardous with the batteries. Yep. That could have killed someone, luckily it didn't. Um, but now with that mess, what happened? Customs is now gonna up their exams. There's gonna be tighter restrictions. So that's gonna affect people. Um, also the, the Ukraine, Russia, situation, not so much for the West Coast, but uh, just in general out there with, with national trade. Last report I saw last week, there was like 200 plus ships that were stuck outside their ports. I don't know if that was an accurate count or not. Um, accurate or not. I mean, look, when you, when you close those ports, those Russian ports, right? And a lot of companies, American companies, European companies aren't doing business there any longer, you know, uh, to boycott the war, but look, the end result is they need to get that equipment out on the air freight side, right? Especially from Asia, they used to fly over Russian airspace, so they're not doing it. So there's a lot of canceled freighter flights. Mm -hmm. uh, Asia was also using the rail service into Europe, right? And that was running through Russia as well. So that's, that's now terminated as well. So we have a whole myriad of, of issues and just the capacity in general on the air freight side has been pulled out. The capacity on the transatlantic is being constrained um, right now. So this was maybe a month ago, we were looking at the summer schedule for the transatlantic airlines, you know, that were flying across the Atlantic to Europe and, and North America to increase flights to, to upgrade the equipment size from let's say a 767 to a 777 and whatnot. And now we've seen that kind of just stay the same. They're not doing anything because nobody's flying to Europe right now. So now it means that Russia's hanging on to. They're not <laughs> giving back or they're holding them in Russia. Um, that's also going to affect air cargo, obviously. And, and with these ships being stuck, that affects those ships not being in circulation. The containers are not in circulation, et cetera. So that's something people need to understand that 
when these things stop or get delays, it, it backs up a whole system with the equipment getting sure. into the route, sure. which, well, yeah, guess what? That causes freight rates to go up too. Oh. That's right. I mean, look at the look at the rates out of Europe right now in the North America. You know, they were they were kind of leveling off and actually coming down maybe a month, a month and a half ago. And now they they tripled in the last two weeks again. They went right back up. You know, it's the same thing with the ocean freight, you know, after the Chinese New Year, during the Chinese New Year, all the importers were going, the rates are coming down, the rates are coming down. And I'm like, yeah, now the rates are coming down. And what happened? And the February first week of March, the rates went right back up, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's cyclical. We thought I was kind of hopeful that the demand, once the CPI numbers came out, right, the inflation rates came out, that the demand would kind of plateau. It hasn't. I still think it'll happen probably sometime in Q2. I think people are feeling it now at the pumps. They're starting to realize that the cost of everything is is going up exponentially, but that doesn't negate the fact that we still have supply chain issues, which are also contributing to the increased cost, right? So maybe Q2, we'll see a little bit of a slowdown. The real factor is the available capacity. So the steamship lines are going to pull capacity out of the market just to artificially manipulate or keep the pressure on the prices to be very high. Right? And we, I think we discussed this last year, you know, the the fourteen hundred the fifteen sixteen hundred dollars you know a container rate from China to West Coast those you know it's not going to happen so at toll we had our allocation last year uh, cut by fifty percent and what the steamship lines did this year is they cut our allocation from last year in half by fifty percent so there's no knack rates in the market per se maybe we're operating at twenty five percent named account rates from two years ago and everything else is moving on FAK, you know, premium diamond tier service if we can get the capacity. So, you know, you mentioned that the steamship lines are gonna pull, um, you know, some things to keep the rates because they like high rates. There, there was something that came out that the, the top 10 shipping companies actually increased their, their, um, their fleets. Yes. Like 1.1 million TEUs. Now you're saying now, well, I mean, yeah, because of the, if the rates start to drop, they're going to slow it down or do more of those blank sailing things and all that. You have to understand stuff. they've increased the, the available capacity they have in their fleets because the dwell time in a lot of these ports is eating up the equipment in the space, right? So they have a vessel waiting, let's say two weeks outside the port of Long Beach, three weeks outside the port of Long Beach, can't use that vessel but the demand is still high in China, right? Or Asia. So they want to get, you know, they want to get load that stuff up and get it on the, on the boat. But a lot of them are doing blank sailings. They're missing certain ports now. Uh, they're cutting and running depending on where. I think we'll see a big surge on the uh, East Coast, right? By the Panama Canal in the coming months. I think people are going to be wary of uh, the uh, labor issues coming up on the West Coast, although... I think I read an article the other day that Walmart's pushing the uh, the union to try and negotiate or some of these steamship lines to negotiate with the union guys earlier to avoid that. But, you know, that'll probably come to a head, I would think, in June. Yeah, that negotiation's already started. Um, oh, yeah. Which, you know, that's, that's going to, that would be just crippling if they pulled that straight nonsense again. But with that, 
the CP rail union, if they don't have something by Sunday, they've already 97% of their membership has said, yeah, we're going to strike. It's like, guys, what are you doing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's I've, I've avoided moving stuff IPI, right? The, the rail inland, uh, into modal. I've avoided doing that for probably the last eight months. I'm telling all my clients, terminate it at the port of arrival and just transload it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's taking so long on the rail to begin with, but then you lose visibility. Uh, it's a lot more expensive to transload it and truck it, especially now with the fuel prices. You know, the difference is you get it two to three weeks sooner, right? So it's just a it's very complex market right now. I like the East Coast, the all water service. Even the move to the Midwest, it's easier, you know, and I think we'll see a lot of that moving forward. Even the ports of, let's say, Houston and uh, Miami, right? Port Everglades, I think will pick up some business in the coming months. Because well, people- it, it has baffled me for the past few months that people are still routing it to the West Coast. Okay, yeah, it's fast. It's the cheapest ocean rate, I guess you could say. Uh, but if it sits there a month, how is that cost effective? Especially when you're carrying that inventory cost when it's sitting on the water in that container, you know, where originally you had budgeted for, let's say, a three-week carrying cost, and now you're carrying it for two months. Right. So that's some of, some of these uh, discount retailers are loving it because now they're able to jump on the late arrival discounted stuff, so they're having a field day with that, but... I don't understand that. Why would you continue to route your freight to the West Coast? Okay, I guess you don't, unless it's, you know, your Christmas trees you don't need yet. I don't know. <laughs> that, that car goes already in for, for, yeah. for December. Right? Oh. It's just insane. The market's insane. We, we probably will be seeing it in the stores because they're just going to skip 4th of July this year or something. I don't know. Golf <laughs> bed. So, oh, and of course, on top of everything, you know, the latest and greatest on the chassis situation is, yeah. <laughs> can't they make more? I don't know. People are going to ask that. Can't they just make more? <laughs> it just it takes a lot longer to get these things in, in circulation. Never mind the chassis. How about the drivers now with the fuel costs going up? Mm-hmm. You know, and you have a booking with a, with a trucker and he calls you the same day and says, no, nah, I'm not going to do it because somebody's paying me $800 more for a load that's closer. Right. So it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I, I yeah. I've, I've gotten some cross country freight rates that were seven to $9,000 in that range for like a flatbed from, uh, from the West coast right now. It's, you know, and then of course I've got, you know, customers that want it and then they scoff at me and I'm like, well, go find one yourself. Two weeks later, they come back and I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, it went up another. These gas prices are just, you you think the diesel prices are not going up too? Somebody um, showed me a picture of what it costs to fill a semi. Let Let me bring it up here. It was interesting. It was 227 gallons for him to fill his semi. It was $1,059. Yeah. That's $1,000 in a full tank of gas. Now, if he's driving cross country, he's got to probably fill up four times, maybe more. Yeah. It's going to cost $7,000 for that poor guy <laughs> to bring so think, up cross country. I think it was four, four years ago, I think the average cost to operate a 53-foot trailer was about $1.20 a mile. Uh, and that's probably gone up now a dollar. So at least 
two dollars and twenty yeah. cents, two dollars and fifty cents. I, I got a flatbed uh, rate two sixty five last week per mile. Yeah, and it's like, and that was just last week, so I'm sure it's probably three dollars now. It does depend. And the on truckers are telling you, take it or leave it. If you don't want it, well, somebody will take it. Right. You know, and that's the other thing. They're like, well, I'll get back to you by the time they get that is picked up because people they realize tomorrow it's going to be 500 bucks more. So what are you waiting for? Everything is fun if you can get the space. Right. Oh, you know, do you deal in agriculture, the agriculture um, at all? A little bit, you know, uh, we deal with some industrial uh stuff used for export and manufacturing not so much the, the like you're on the equipment side not the actual like grains equipment, and an actual product but not on the agricultural well not the food per se but uh it's uh, it's getting harder and harder to uh get the capacity you know so, i mean what what came about which is another topic that i'm surprised uh the well i don't know how much the administration can step in on this, but the U.S. ag export side has really been taking a hit that carriers are, you know, not taking their freight, stuff is sitting at the ports, specifically out in the West Coast, that they'd rather take the empties back to China where it's more lucrative than actually taking full containers of goods. And I was like, how the hell does that work? Well, Guess who's subsidizing those return containers? China is, and they're paying a premium to get those containers back versus putting it, you know, loaded with something else to have it go and have to wait for it to be offloaded and sent. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh yeah. I'm like, wow. That and you know, to me, that's like, okay, guys, you you carriers that made tens of billions in profits over the last year, really? You'd rather do that dirty, greedy stuff? I have customers that have their own containers, their ISO containers. They own them on the transatlantic and they can't get space on vessels a lot of the time. It's their own equipment. They want to make a book and use their own container and they can't get on. It's not not lucrative. It's not lucrative. But if you think China's bad, look at the Australia-New Zealand market. It's nearly impossible. I had clients waiting three months to get a booking, and now space is starting to open up. We're starting to get some capacity. You know, Toll is uh, was Australian, now owned by Japan Post. Mm-hmm. Huge market for us. But, I mean, the rates that we're seeing almost mimic some of the import rates from China. What's on- that coming to here to the U.S. or going to China or what? No, it's U.S. outbound to Australia, New Zealand. To Australia, yeah, it's it's insane. You're looking at about anywhere from ten to fifteen thousand dollars a container, forty foot container, if you can get the space. It seems like that's the going rate worldwide. Other than can't get it. Maersk, Maersk will not sign any contracts on the Australia New Zealand line. So, and a lot of the steamship lines are saying no market rates. So that's what I'm saying. Like people, I think a lot of the importers here in the states now have gotten used to the fact that. Their allocations have been cut. They've kind of diversified their service providers, right? They're not only working with steamship lines, they're working with NBOs. They've taken that, that eight to 10 to 30,000 TEU basket of business they had, and they've kind of spread it around to the people that can help them, knowing that they just can't rely on one provider. But, you know, on the outbound side, it's, it's hard. For a lot of the exporters where they were prepaying, 
the freight now to say, what do you mean I can't get a container for Melbourne for another three months or two months? And the air freight rates are just as ridiculously high. Well, listen, my plan B is to win the lottery, but I guess I have to buy tickets first. Dollar in a dream. Come on. <laughs> People wonder why I do that. Well, hello, somebody's got to win. So I'd rather spend a dollar at happy hour for that cheap draft beer. <laughs> a dollar? Where the hell are you drinking? <laughs> You're in New York, for God's sake. It's no dollar anything. Not even a dollar store anymore. No. I would take, do you remember back in the early 90s when UPS went on strike and that just made everybody, oh my God. I would take that little scenario <laughs> over all this crap right now. Ooh, oh, yeah. that, was, that was an easy fix. Well, sort of, but. So, all right. Well, because my dog is go out, so oh, and I know you got to get back to work too. So, thank no you for problem. having me. When the weather warms up, I'll be up and we'll do some golfing for sure. All righty. Okay, Tom, have a great day. Thanks, Laura. You too. Well, that was a fun session with my friend Tom, which took place on Friday, March 18th. As of Sunday, March 20th, CP Rail did actually go on strike. Little known coverage is that the union workers over in Spain are currently on strike as well. But on a positive note, China is not in full lockdown, which gives a big sigh of relief to a lot of manufacturers and buyers over here in the United States and globally. Okay, so the music now means it's time for me to go. The YouTube channel is a work of progress, but I'm going to get there. In the meantime, talk to your forwarders, talk to your carriers, go to LinkedIn. There's a lot of information, and again, it is changing all the time. So you got to keep on top of this so your freight doesn't get caught. Okay, so everybody, happy shipping, and take care. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. That's all the time that we have for this week's episode. You want to dive deeper into this topic, see some behind the scenes, and also know all of our various other social media platforms, please go to the YouTube channel, Shut Up and Go Trade. Remember to subscribe, put your comments, questions, anything you want to throw at us. And who knows, maybe we'll even ask you to be on the show sometime. Until then... Everybody take care and shut up and go trade.